I was surprised when I learned that the church across the vast majority of its history celebrated Epiphany long before it ever did anything resembling the kind of Christmas celebrations that we know today and that we practice here in this particular church. In fact, in parts of the global Christian communion, Epiphany outruns Christmas by a country mile as a holiday worth dancing and feasting over. Why? How could a holiday without a jolly old elf be less important than Epiphany? It is because Epiphany, the revelation of good news, comes and shines past Bethlehem all the way to the whole world. Gentiles needed this news to come not only to local shepherds and for a heavenly host to descend and shine upon them, but also to foreigners, Gentiles, Magi. That's what the church celebrates every year on January 6th. This is the 5th. We observe it today. The God for whom Israel patiently waited came not only to Israel, but to the whole world. We know this because the first Christmas included the curious Magi, Gentile astrologers, basically, following a mesmerizing star until it vanished overhead. The Magi are an enchanting cast of characters. Scripture doesn't say how many there were. I believe at least two, since it's plural, but they were from the east, likely Persia, not sure about the exact area code, but likely the country Iran. What we do know is they aren't from the people who trace their lineage to Moses and the patriarchs. They have not been privy to the covenant relationship unveiled to them from the God of all creation, they come from a place where everything would be strange to us and to Israel. Have you ever been so far away from home that not only the language would be strange to you, but nearly everything else? The customs, different. The very smell of the air, different. The shapes of standard things like stairs and stop signs, different. Even the species of flora and fauna, everything strange. That's where the Magi are from, the East, not from here. They don't belong in this place they found themselves. They haven't even been bit players in this story until now. Until now, they have only overheard hints of the story, a rumor of a people who worship only one God, a whisper of their expectations of a Messiah to come. But now the Magi have been drawn into the particulars of God's saving work by a guiding star. They came to Jerusalem inquiring of the whereabouts of the one born King of the Jews. When Herod got wind of it, he secretly met with the Magi and encouraged them to tell him when they found the child to come back and let him know of the location so that he could then go and pay homage as well. 
They do find the child Jesus, but they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They go home, the scripture says, by another road. One of my favorite lines in all of scripture, they went home by another road. Here in this particular phrase is held an ocean of revelation for all of us. Home by another road is not merely informational. It is theological. With this one line, we hear the effect that revelation has on the whole world. In this moment, we see a stone tossed into a placid sea in the beginning of concentric ripples just beginning to spread from the epicenter of the manger across to the whole world. Never again will the Magi's world be the same. Never again will ours. I know of nothing else in the English language that captures Revelation's effect on these three kings more than the conclusion of T.S. Eliot's The Journey of the Magi. He says, describing what it must have been like for the Magi returning home, we return to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. What the Magi witness in Bethlehem guts and renovates their imagination about life and death, birth, faith, who God is, and where God is to be found. The gods of their homeland resided in statues and grave and images, cold, distant, predictable, not unlike our own idols of materialism, and racism, and, and militarism, deadly mirages all. But what has been revealed to the Magi is a living God in dark, bronze, Middle Eastern flesh, warm-blooded, present, vulnerable, astonishing. God with us in our history, here, now. What this revelation inspires them to do first is give. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, they could hardly have offered more precious and costly gifts. Gold in recognition of the eternal character of this new king's reign. Frankincense in recognition that this child's life will have the priestly role and effect of bringing us face to face with God. Myrrh in recognition of this king's mortality and in anticipation of his suffering. But all very rare and precious gifts, the revelation of God and human flesh inspires in the Magi a totalizing generosity. Author of the hymn In the Bleak Midwinter, Christina Rossetti says, If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But for men such as these, they might as well have offered their very own hearts, and perhaps they would have. 
The culture from which they came had no gods worthy or capable of receiving just this unique combination of gifts. What else, though, does this epiphany inspire the Magi to do? Perhaps the better question at this point is what it inspires them not to do. They are directed in a dream not to return to Herod with coveted intel. They go home by another road. Even though they came to Israel as guests and carried on their affairs outside of their own jurisdiction, when we travel to other countries, we take care to be sensitive to their cultures, respecting codes of decency and obeying their laws as we would our own. I remember being taught before I arrived in Thailand for a few weeks, not to show the bottoms of my feet. Don't cross your legs and kick your feet up. Keep your feet on the ground. It's rude to show the bottom, the soles of your shoes. And that's harder to do than it sounds. <laughs> but here the Magi ignore direct orders, not only about taboos, but from the highest authority in the land. They refuse to be governed by a wicked man. The effect of epiphany is to make of them defectors. To be sure, Paul exhorts the Romans, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. But the wise men will not become pawns of Herod's conniving attempt at self-preservation. They have nothing to do with his violence. And while we fully expect our own generals to trot out these very words anytime they want to conscript us into their schemes, today may we all hear very clearly that after Epiphany, the wise men go home by another road, an altogether different path and a much narrower one. I like to imagine what life must have been like for the Magi when they finally did return to their homes. When they looked up at the graven images that were just as familiar to them as our flags and corporate advertisements and shopping malls are to us, and saw how empty they all were, as though the mere sight of the child Jesus so continuously filled their minds that there simply wasn't room left for the adoration of anyone or anything else. I remember thinking about the world in certain ways myself, only to become disillusioned when the facade of something or someone that I had adored fluttered down like a house of cards. Have you ever done that? Build up an idea or an ideology, arrange your life around it, perhaps the pursuit of wealth or health, only to have it exposed as an empty waste of time, a drain on your life and also on your joy. The Magi must have embarked on their journey duty-bound and with the utmost seriousness, yet they must have returned from their journey in a daze and a stupor, 
wondering how they could ever really return to the world as it once appeared to them. As if the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ placed them in a new dimension of reality, like a fifth dimension, where everything looks different than it did. The poor are privileged, wealth and affliction, (coughs) racial and class differences exposed, sinners forgiven, and even the plans of rulers and authorities frustrated and supplanted. This is just what happens to Paul. Paul thought he had life and faith understood. But today he writes to us from a prison cell, a place I can assure you that Paul never imagined he'd end up in until he met Jesus. And from this prison cell he says to us, The revelation of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles has brought near to God those who were far off. And this changes everything. This mystery was made known to me by revelation for your sake and for the world's. And now we get to enjoy stunning the world again and again by this very news as we share it from the most random outposts all the way to the rulers and authorities and the highest offices of the land. This simple message comes to us today. We now have access to God through Jesus Christ in boldness and confidence through faith in Him. How will you know when an epiphany of this sort and magnitude comes upon you? It might begin by imitating something like a dim light becoming ever brighter, an idea, a line, a scripture, something that someone said to you in faith, a question asked that takes your attention away from everything else and consumes you, something that comes across you that upends you, turns you in a different direction. In fact, an epiphany might just make you, as I imagine it did the Magi, lonely, at least for a time. Because when you see the world in a different way than everyone else around you, sometimes it can make you feel quite isolated, like an alien in a foreign land. Pay attention to whether that might happen to you across this year as it unfolds. Maybe this good news comes to you in a way that relieves a burden. Maybe these epiphanies will come to you in ways that lead you into certain danger. Maybe an epiphany will lead you, as it has many of my friends, into a jail cell. I don't encourage you to aim for that goal. But stranger things have happened on the other side of epiphanies. Whatever it is, you'll know it's true when it leads you to joy. A losing of yourself that you may find your true self. The one that God has designed for you. The life, the abundant life 
that only Christ can give, waiting just for you to grasp it and live into it and become flesh in it. Perhaps epiphanies come to us in many different ways. What we can be sure of, however, is that on the other side of a revelation of God becoming flesh in Jesus Christ is that we can never go back to being the same people we once were. And for that good news, I say thanks be to God.